All right, so we're good to go. Um, all right, so let's pray, and uh, we'll jump into uh, Romans 13, and uh, we'll see how far we get with this. So let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, loving us, Lord. I thank you for just your word um, and just uh, allowing it to um, uh, just uh, be manifest in our lives. And Lord, it's been an awesome week. Uh, just to come and sit at your feet and uh, just really hear uh, your vision uh, for our lives through uh, the local New Testament church here at HBF. And uh, Lord, I do uh, pray uh, that uh, that people's lives are, are changed and impacted by it. So uh, Lord, I do uh, just uh, pray you'd speak this morning as we uh, jump into uh, Romans 13 and get into some uh, kind of practical stuff uh, in the Word of God. So I do pray that uh, you'd just remove me out of the way because I don't really have anything to say, but your Word does and that you would just get the honor and the glory for it, Lord. I do pray for uh, just Cassidy Anderson, Lord, as uh, she's uh, on the ground in uh, Cuba, Lord, that you just continue to use her as a minister uh, in her time uh, uh, serving, Lord, and uh, just also uh, just pray for uh, just the, the other people from Past Point that have things going on, and I don't want to mention names, but there's just several things uh, going on. I just do pray that you would just uh, edify your body, you get the honor uh, and the glory for it, Lord, and I just pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 13. So we've been going through the book of Romans. Uh, it's taken a little bit of time, um, but we are nearing the end uh, uh, as far as, you know, we're, we're closer to the end than we are the beginning, but it's still going to be a minute before we get there. But So we've been talking about, if you'll remember a few weeks ago, uh, I don't usually write on the board, but uh, really starting in Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul starts to uh, lay out, well, all, I've said this every week, and I'm probably going to say it every week just so you know. You know, the first 11, uh, Brian Clark said this, so I totally stole this, but it works really well. The first 11 chapters of Romans are basically uh, God writing through Paul on everything that God can do for you, right? So then you get to chapters uh, 12 to 16, and now it's like, okay, now what can you uh, do for the Lord? Right, and so it just kind of breaks it down, and so it gets very practical. And so uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, starts uh, this kind of list on different relationships and, and your uh, attitude, your service through those things. And so Romans 12, uh, we talked about your, your attitude, your service to God, right? Basically give Him everything, and that's the least you can do. Uh, and then he got into this uh, section on spiritual gifts, and then we got out of that, and he basically uh, went through the rest of the chapter on this section on basically how your relationships to others in the body of Christ should look like. And uh, it took us several weeks to get through that, and so let me get where I need to be. And so now we roll into Romans chapter 13, and these are kind of your responsibilities to... So we were talking about in chapter 12, your responsibilities to uh, your church family, right? And some of those things should cross over uh, to uh, the rest of the world as well, right? Being given to hospitality, all those different things. But those were directives given to those in the body of Christ, okay? So now we're going to start talking about in Romans chapter 13, your responsibilities to society. And today, more in particular, uh, we're going to use a word that nobody likes to hear, right? Uh, your responsibility to authority, right? Because that's what everybody likes to talk about, right, is authority. And so before I get too far into this, um, we've all got authority, right? Everybody has some sort of authority, right? So, uh, it, uh, Meredith, who's, who's your authority? Give me a few of them. Yeah, like authority in your life. <laughs> yeah, so your husband? 
Uh, okay, that, yeah, so, so just a few. So she's like, okay, uh, directly my husband, right? Uh, you mentioned me. I'm not really authority, but yeah, so yeah, I am, I would be considered your, uh, adult Bible fellowship pastor. So the most direct pastor, uh, over you. And then obviously, uh, Pastor Brian, you know, and then like you said, there, it goes on from there. And you even got to where I'm trying to get to the civil government, right? Because even those who think, well, I don't really have any authority. Um, so there was a time in my life where I had several direct authorities. Obviously, I have um, the pastor, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm a husband, so I don't. My direct authority is not my wife, right? So there's a structure that God puts in place, right? And so, uh, and at, at one time, you know, I had a boss, and you know, I had all these different things. And then as time has progressed, you know, we run our own company, so now it's like I, I just wish I had a boss that I could be like, "What do you want me to do today?" You know. <laughs> Because sometimes it's just like, man, I, it's really hard. But there's, we've all got some sort of authority, right? And, and obviously, you should always want to submit to your most direct authority first. Too often, we want to skip over one or another or another to get to the one that we want to submit to, right? Sometimes kids want to say, well, I don't really want to submit to my parents. And I really don't like what the church has got to say. But, you know... Uh, I'll drive the speed limit because I don't want to take it, right? Or they pick and choose the authority they want to. You need to make sure, before we even get into the text, that you submit to your most direct authority first. And what I mean by that is sometimes in the church, somebody will say, well, I don't really like that guy. I don't really like my ministry leader, so I'm going to go straight to the pastor. Well, can I just tell you that if everybody ran to Brian for every little thing that happened, we wouldn't get nothing done around here. Right? Because we're messed up people and we all get our feelings hurt. And so there's a reason that there is an authority structure. So, again, before we even get into the text, just talking about authority, God has put three kind of structures in your life as authority structures. What are they? Right? Somebody should be able to answer this. Like three, there's three different authority structures in your life, right? I'll give you the first one. So, the family, right? That's exactly right, right? That, that is exactly right. <laughs> Chris is like, preach Jesus. Yeah. So the first, yeah, <laughs> the first uh, kind of structure that is put in place is the family, right? It's very clear in the Word of God. The book of Ephesians breaks this down very clearly. Children, what do they do? Obey your parents, right? That's the first one. So just, just obey your direct authority, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands, right? Notice it says own husbands. Don't jump around and like, well, I, wanna, I like this guy better. So right? <laughs> wives, submit to your own husbands, right? Husbands, love your wives, right? As you submit to Christ, right? And so the family structure, very plain and simple. That's the first one, right? Okay, so you've got that one. Okay, well, we go to a local New Testament church. Well, good for you. Now you've got a, a second one. You have the local uh, church as an authority structure, right? And here at HBF, we have uh, different levels of pastoral authority. We have ministry authority, all these different things, right? And so there's always some sort of authority in your life. Zona. There's always some sort of authority structure in your life, whether it be your direct ministry head, your... Uh, Bible fellowship pastor, whether it be your uh, associate pastor or even Pastor Brian or anything else. So there's the family, there's the church, and then there's also the one that nobody really likes to talk about, and well, it's the government, right? We like there to be some sort of government to call on when things go wrong, right? And so that's kind of your three structures. So beginning, uh, let's just get into this. So beginning in chapter 12, so I was, I don't have time for this. But I'm just going to tell you this because I was going to take some time and there just isn't time. You know how it goes. Uh, if you missed the vision conference, my 
you, you missed out. And so uh, I know some of you guys made it for some of it. Um, it was it was spot on. Uh, it was so uh, practical. Uh, it was so basic, and uh, it was just like I was even going to recap it, and I, I just don't have time. But uh, like. It's all recorded, and uh, if you don't go back and catch what you missed, um, that's on you. Because man, God spoke, and like, wow, it was, it was spot on. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, man, it was good. So I don't have time. I wanted to recap the whole thing. I could have spent an entire day just recapping like the f- the four messages. So anyway, it was. You need to pray for uh, Lee Carter um, and pray that you are more like he is, because you know. 1 Corinthians uh, 11 one says, Follow me as I follow Christ. That dude's following Christ, uh, and you need to act like him so you can follow Christ better. I just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So, anyway, throwing that out there. So, Romans 13. So, beginning with chapter 12, we entered uh, the last section of Romans, which instructs us in relationships. So, uh, chapters 1 to 8. Um, I don't know, I'm going to skip some of this. Romans 12 deals with our relationship to God. So, a very practical sense. Romans 12 deals with our relationship to God. Romans 13, our relationship to society. And Romans 14, our relationship with each other. Right? So, uh, Romans 13, 1. Let's just, let me just read uh, the first kind of section of this, and then we'll break it down. So, uh, Romans 13, 1 says, Let every soul... So, hang on. Every, right? That's not just some of you. Uh, if you got a soul, if you're alive, if you're breathing... This is talking to you. Too many people are like, oh yeah, it doesn't apply to me. Okay, so uh, you're lying to yourself. Let every soul, it's very all-inclusive here, right? Not if you want to, not if you think you might decide to, like this isn't up for discussion. Right? Just throwing that out there. Man, too often it's like, what's Romans 13 say? Well, like, okay, that's on you then. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God... Uh, the powers that are uh, that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. What that means is, and we'll talk about it more, uh, if you're going to buck against authority, expect authority to buck back. That's just the way it works, okay? And we'll get into that. For rulers, verse 3, are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Meaning, if you're doing the right thing, it's funny. The police leave you alone. Right? I mean, just throwing it out there. Okay, so they're not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise the same. For he, verse 4, is the minister of God to thee, uh, uh, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, uh, be afraid. It's pretty black and white there. For he uh, beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him uh, that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject. That's good King James language saying, you have to, right? You must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For uh, this cause pay you tribute also, for they are the, uh, God's ministers, uh, attending continually uh, upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute unto tribute uh, tribute unto whom tribute is due custom to custom fear whom fear honor to honor right so that's as far as we're gonna maybe get today like say maybe because I don't even know if we're gonna get that far but okay so just let me just kind of break this down Paul's giving you instruction on authority in your life right and so you need to make sure that 
go back to what I said before, you submit to the most direct authority first. Okay? You have to do that first. But then he also goes on to say that doesn't make you exempt from the other authorities as well. Right? And so we're going to kind of break down because Romans chapter really 12 to 16 starts talking about a lot of the but what if questions, right? Too often people are like, you know, they'll come in for counsel or they're like, hey, I got a question. Like, you know, because I know what the Bible kind of says about this, but what if, right? And we start getting into a lot of the but what if questions. And this is going to kind of answer some of the but what if questions. These might not be your but what if questions, right? You might be like, I really don't have an issue with the police, right? I really don't have an issue with paying taxes. I really, okay, but, but some people are, that's their but what if question, right? Yours is probably going to fall in chapter 14, right? Because that's where a lot of people's fall. And we'll get into those when we get there. But there's a reason that this comes first, right? So we're going to talk about authority. Uh, so we talked about the three institutions uh, of structure in your life, right? Uh, family, human, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the family, human government, and the church. So uh, he's Paul is writing to uh, predominantly Gentile, right? So not Jewish uh, believers in, in the heart of the height of the, the Roman Empire. You have to understand at the time he's writing this, the Roman Empire is going strong. And I'm not trying to give you a history lesson here, but some people this kind of makes it click in their head. So Paul's writing this to Gentiles. So basically, uh, you are a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. You are a Gentile. Uh, who submits to, at the time, the most powerful government on earth. Okay? Christianity was, at least at this moment, seen as a Jewish kind of branch. That's how people saw the Christians. They're like, oh, you just want to be Jews. That's basically what they thought they were. Right? And so, Judaism, at the time of the Roman Empire, was kind of, quote-unquote, grandfathered in. Right? It, they just the, the Romans looked at the Jews like... You just have a pre-existing condition, and we'll let we'll let it ride, right? And, and to put it into today's terms, like we understand you've got one God and and whatever, right? And so at the time, the Christians were able to slide because they thought they were kind of like the Jews. And the Romans were similar to the Greeks. Yes, the Romans were like the Greeks, and they had tons of gods, like all the time. And they thought, well, you know, you need to worship our gods. It's, it's kind of like going to India today. There's thousands of gods, and they think that you need to worship all of their different gods. And if you don't worship all their different gods, then they want to persecute you for it. right? But at the time, because you, if you were a Jew, they just kind of saw it as a, you know, a pre-existing medical condition that you were a Jew. Right? They saw it as, that's your own problem, whatever, it is what it is. This Christianity thing, like it's just a branch of that, and, and we're not going to persecute you for not worshiping our gods for the time being, right? However, the day would come when everybody noted that these Christians, they weren't like the Jews, and therefore they thought they were trying to establish a new religion, and the church was going to see persecution like they'd never seen before, right? And so you have to understand the time that this was written, that's kind of what's happening there. So some people today teach riot and rebellion in the name of Christ, right? You know, we just need to stand up in Christ, it, you know, they would have us believe that rebellion against the law is fulfilling God's law. So here's the question. What if the powers that be aren't what they ought to be, right? What if the guy you voted for isn't the president? What, what happens then? You pray that the powers that be become the powers that were, or the powers that eventually will go ahead, or, or the powers that eventually will be will go ahead and get here. Meaning, you don't like it? You better just pray that uh, God shows up. That's, that's, that's how you answer this thing. It doesn't mean that you rebel against the government. 
that's what so many Christians have prayed for thousands of years when they found themselves not only uh, under non-God-glorifying rulers, but even God-diminishing rulers, right? 1 Peter 2.13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king uh, as supreme. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So Peter's writing these things, and you know, just in case you're wondering, you're like, yeah, but you don't understand. He doesn't have the president we have, right? Because, you know, we've got it horrible, don't we? I mean, no. We, we like to complain about how bad it is, but Peter's writing these things. We need to honor the king. We need to submit to the king. Do you know who the king was at the time that Peter's writing those things? It was a dude named Nero, Right? It was a dude that persecuted Christians worse than anybody has ever persecuted Christians probably ever in the history of time, right? Nero would be the guy who eventually uh, beheaded Paul, like the, the quote-unquote greatest Christian who ever lived. So Peter's saying, hey, y'all need to submit to the king, and he was like the worst one ever. So when we like to get our... I probably shouldn't say that. When we like to get uh, <laughs> uh, offended... <laughs> We need to just suck it up, right? Um, and deal with it. What? Hashtag not my friend. <laughs> that what you're supposed to do? Titus three one. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready every, uh, to every good work. Right? Here's what you need to know. The powers that be, the quote-unquote government, the whatever, they all work God's will in this world, whether they ever know it or not. Now think about that for a minute. Right? The elected officials, uh, the government, right? Uh, even people like Hitler and Nero, they all worked God's will whether they knew it or not. And you might be like, now hang on a minute. We'll get there. So before you get all offended, right? The powers that be all work God's will in the world whether they ever know it or not. Therefore, the relationship of the Christian is to be submitted to God's will no matter what. The caveat for us is, you know, we live in a society where we get a say. Right? We actually get a little bit of a say. So we also get a little bit of the, well, you're reaping what you sow sometimes. Right? You get it, you, you reap what you sow. Some of the blame that would otherwise fall on the government for bad decision also falls on us. We live in the Laodicean age where people are calling many of the shots, not just the person who's at the head of the government. Right? And so he goes on to say, so he says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, know that it doesn't matter who's elected. It doesn't matter who the, pres- or the president is of whoever, right? Or, or who the ruler is or who the king is. God put them there for such a time as this. That's one thing Lee Carter said that was kind of like, said, if God has all the power in heaven and earth, that means you and I have none. That's exactly right. And every other human has none other than mm-hmm. We like to think that we've got some power, but it, it's not like that at all. Romans 13.2 says, Wherefore, therefore resisteth the power, or I'm sorry, whosoever, therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. Meaning, if you're going to buck the system, you're not, you're not fighting the government, you're fighting God. Let me know how that works for you. Right? Let me know how that goes for you. If you're going to resist the power, you resist the ordinance of God. That does not mean he's responsible for... And so, back to what we were talking about. God is not responsible for the sins of the, the Hitlers and the Bin Ladens of the world, but that authority to rule came initially from God. That was the lesson for Nebuchadnezzar, right? 
God establishes human government because sinners have to have structure, right? Why do we have a government? Because I like to know that if somebody's trying to break into my house, I can call the police and let them know that, you know, the guy's dead because I shot him, but, you know, at least come and get him, right? <laughs> we like to know that there's some sort of government, right? We have to know. And so God that's why we have what we have. The structure comes from a controlling legal authority, and authority must be submitted to to provide accountability. So even though government officials are not believers, they're God's ministers. And so 13.2 goes on to say, Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist, well, God will give them grace. That's not what it says. And it says, And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. If you're going to buck against the authority that God has put in place, well, you're inviting lightning into your life. Right? You're like, hey, don't do dumb things, right? Well, I, I don't like it, so I'm just going to go out here and, you know, I'm going to... When you... Here's, here's a really good way to put it. When you choose to voluntarily say, I don't care what the government says, I'm going to do what I want to do, right? That is equivalent, the Word of God says, that is equivalent to walking outside in a thunderstorm and holding up a golf club, right? And saying, I don't think anything's going to happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But what the Word of God says is that's the same thing, right? And if you're smart enough not to do the second, you ought to be smart enough not to do the first. That's what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter... Now, this would offend some people. It doesn't matter what you think about the Constitu- about what the Constitution says. Now, I'll tell you this right now. I love the country that I live in. I love that I have constitutional rights. I love that I have the freedom of religion that ties into the freedom of free speech that says that I can get up here and say whatever I want to say. And whether you like it or not, right, I can say what I want, right? I like it that I have a right to bear arms. I like what the Constitution says. But you know what? There will be a day when that won't matter. And you're like, no, I live in America. Like, no, you don't understand what the Bible says. There will be a day... Like, I love it that I live in such a time as this. I wouldn't choose to live in any other time in the world, right? There was a time in my life that I was like, man, I wish I could have lived like when Spurgeon was alive because that dude was like getting it done. But I would not choose to live in any other time than I live right now because God has blessed us. We live in the greatest country. We live so, But there will be a time when all those things that you're like, I'm going to die for those things, well, you're probably going to die for those things because there will be a day. Right? I don't care what you think about it. The Constitution is not your final authority. What is? The Word of God. Right? There has to be a day where you have to decide, am I going to Constitution, Word of God? Well, I want both. Well, there will be a day where you won't get both. And it better be the Word of God that you're willing to submit to. You better recognize your relationship as a Christian to civil authority. If you don't, you're going to end up hiding in the Ozarks waiting for the government to invade your compound. Right? Because that's how that's going to roll down. Right? That's... Authorities are to be obeyed despite their character or lack of it. Right? Take that into your personal life. Right? Your parents, your husband, your pastor, Praise. I, I pray that that's not the case, right? But any of those things, like your authority is meant to be obeyed despite their character or lack of it. Right? You need to understand that. There's also a balance there. You need to submit to the authorities, but at the same time, you need to resist... The outlaws, right? Don't use submission to authority as an excuse for covering up sin, right? Meaning, well, Jason just said I got to submit to my husband, right? 
Well, Jason just said I've got to submit to my parents, or you know, he just said that I've got to do that, and well, I guess that means our hands are tied. No, if your husband's being an idiot stick, do something about it. Say something about it, right? It's just the way it is, or or whatever whatever that means, right? And I, that doesn't mean throw him to the wolves, but like if sin is involved, you have a responsibility, right? That's one of the what if questions that we get sometimes. People come in for counsel and say, okay, but what if? I know I'm supposed to submit to my husband. I know I'm supposed to submit to X, Y, Z. But, but what if they're like in blatant sin? Like that's a what if question we get a lot. What's the word of God say? You submit until you can't submit anymore, right? And then you go to the first structure, which is the family. The second structure, which is the church. And then, if you finally get to a point where neither one of those are able to reconcile the situation, then and only then do we go to the government, right? God has established these things. Do not use submission to authority as an excuse to cover up sin. Higher authorities exist to refute the corruption of lower. So 13.3 says, For rulers are not a terror of good works. Meaning, if you're now, I know I I probably shouldn't be the one saying this. If you're just driving the speed limit, you're probably not going to get pulled over. But if you're driving at whatever speed you decide is okay to drive, you're inviting, maybe not lightning, but lights <laughs> behind you, and that's the way it works, right? And that's on you. Is it? Not, here's one thing I've always known. I like to push the speed limit a little bit, right? In my life. It's not, it's not biblical, but time is money, and I'm like, i got to get to it. And, and so it's just, there's never been a time when I've, especially since I've been saved, right, that uh, I've gotten pulled over, and the guy writes me a ticket, and I'm like, you know what, you're a jerk, right? I'm like, you know what, you're doing your job, right? It's no different than, like, I show up to a guy's house, he's like, hey, I want you to fix X, Y, Z, right? And so I start doing my job, and then he gets all mad at me for it. I'm like, you asked me to do this, right? They're just doing their job. Now, if I'm obeying the law and something happens, then I've got an issue. But you can't get mad at somebody for doing what they're supposed to do. Right? You invited lightning into your life. Right? I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand. You invited lightning into your life. Understand that. For rulers not a terror of good works, but to evil. Will them then be afraid of the power? And do that which is good, and the uh, and thou shalt have praise of the same. First Peter two fourteen says, "Or submit yourselves unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the uh, punishment of uh, evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well." Right? John the Baptist. Uh, they were talking about him in Luke three fourteen. It says, "And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do?' And he said unto them, Do violence to no man." Neither accuse any falsely, but be content with your wages. Right? It doesn't matter where you are in this. You have a role. Romans thirteen four says, "For he, uh, for he is the minister of God, meaning the, the authority, is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain." For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Remember what chapter 12 said? Right? We talked, and it was even just last week, we talked about anger, right? We, and uh, that was actually pretty good stuff. But, uh, we, and we like to sometimes get in the way of, of God's wrath. 
And we like to say, you know what? I want to get so mad that I'm going to take care of this. And what you do when you do that, when you do that is you're basically saying, I'm going to take care of this one, God. And you don't understand. I promise God will take care of it much better than you at whoever that you were wronged by. You need to do what? We talked about this last week. Get out of the way and let God's wrath take care of it. Right? And that's better for you and them. Okay, so that's what we're talking about here. Romans twelve nineteen says, Dear beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. So it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. One of the ways that God repays, that's what this verse says, one of the ways that God repays is through the ministry of execution undertaken by the government. Right? One of the ways that God repays, that's what he's talking about, is through the government. Right? They get what they deserve. The Nero's and the Caesars operate through the permissive power of God for this purpose. Meaning, they have permission for a set time to do what they do. Well, you don't understand. Those people are horrible people. They are. And what they did was horrible. God still uses them as a tool. Right? He uses them as some sort of a tool. You have to understand that the, the things that happen, they might not be good, but it's still God getting His will done. Right? I don't understand why bad things happen in the world. Well, because God's trying to get people's attention. Right? And we can have that whole conversation someday, but we... Psalm 76.10 Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the uh, remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. John 19.11 Jesus answered, this is when he's talking to Pilate. Pilate's like, man, don't you understand that if you basically just ask me, I could make it to where you're free. Right? That's basically Pilate's like... Have you ever read that and thought, you know, Pilate thought of himself pretty highly, right? He's like, man, Jesus, don't you think that all you've got to do is ask and I, you know, because I'm the big, I'm the big shot here, I can, I can get you out of this whole thing. Right? And, you know, Jesus, he could have been like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know what he says? He's kind of like a kick in the face. He's like, Jesus answered. He says, thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given you from above. Right? And Pilate, he was actually smart enough to think, you're probably right. You know, most rulers would be like, I'll show you. You know, either way, he still submitted to the people, which was messed up, but it is what it is. The man who had charge of the execution of Jesus Christ had no power at all, except it was given him from God himself. Right? You want to say, why in the world would, you know, the Holocaust happen? If, if you think God had something to do with that, why in the world would, you know, all the different bad things in the world happen? Why did God kill his perfect son? Because it had to happen. Right? Because there's this thing called sin in the world. Jesus didn't contradict. Luke 4 6 says, And uh, the devil said unto him, All this power. Remember this story? Jesus, he's off in the wilderness and Satan shows up. And he's like, Man, don't you know that if like you'll just submit to me, I'll give you all the power in the world. Right? You remember that story where Satan's just like, I'll give you everything. And what's Jesus? He's like, get thee behind me, Satan. But no, here's what Satan says. It says in Luke 4, 6, And the devil said unto him, talking about Jesus, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. The devil's like, hey, Jesus, don't you know that I have all this power? And I can, it says that it was delivered unto me, meaning God gave him the power on earth. Right? God gave him the power on earth. He says, I'll give it to you if you'll just submit to me. And Jesus is like, I ain't doing it. The point there is Satan has 
the permissive power of God, right, on this earth. Meaning, it's no different than with Job, right? Read the book of Job, and Satan and God are having a conversation, right? And he's like, man, I just can't get one up. And God's like, God even says this. He's like, have you considered my servant Job, right? And he's like, yeah, but you won't let me touch him because, you know, he's your servant. And God's like, you can do anything you want to him, save kill him. And he does, right? He runs him through the ringer. That was all through the permissive power of God. Because why? Because God knew that there were at least some that were willing to stand up for what needed to be stood up for. God knew that there were at least some that were willing to stand up for what was right. Romans 13.5 says, Wherefore, you must needs be subject. You have to. Not only for truth, but also for conscience sakes. Okay, so we switch gears here. And this is where it gets a little better, right? Because that's kind of dry stuff. We're like, yeah, I know. I'm supposed to submit to the government because if I don't, right? Bad things happen, right? We know that. I'm not supposed to do X, Y, Z because if I do X, Y, Z and get caught, right? There's always the caveat of if you don't get caught, okay, well, and get caught, there's, there's consequence, right? Okay, so we know that. So what does that have to do with me? Because I try to I try to obey the law, Jason. Okay, this is where it kind of gets a little more practical for you as a Christian, right? He says in verse five, wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, not only because you're scared of what the police are going to say, but better yet, for conscience' sake. For better yet, for conscience' sake. That is, you're supposed to obey the government, right? You're supposed to obey the law. Until, right? This goes back to the what if. Until their law is so unjust that it forces you to a position obeying unlawful laws. Motivation number one is that you're going to be punished. Why, why do I obey the law? Motivation number one, because I don't want punishment from the government, right? Motivation number two, if the government interferes with your conscience then you have to act according to your conscience and obey God and suffer the punishment. Sometimes that will happen. The country we live in right now, that doesn't happen a lot. It will happen soon enough. There are places in the world where you have to decide, I'm going to obey God rather than men. The government is corrupt against what the Word of God says. That doesn't happen in America right now. It will soon enough. There are places in the world that it, that it does though, okay? And you have to understand there's a reason this is in here. Let me give you an example. During the, the Civil Rights Movement, the whole point was that certain states and communities had laws that were in defiance of the Constitution. Right? That was the point. There were, there were certain states that were in defiance of the Constitution. Some, of, uh, some things we knew were wrong, according to biblical justice, had simply not been brought before the court yet. Right? So, so what happens? If the municipality passes... A Jim Crow law and tells you you've got to sit at the back of the bus, what do you do? You disobey it because the Word of God says to. Right? If they won't register every voter in, in, in the States, what do you do? You march against it. There's a lot of things going on, even in America now, and it's like, yeah, I want to have a say. You have a say, just don't go too far. Right? You want to march at the Capitol, march at the Capitol. Don't break into the Capitol, dummy. Right? Like, you want to have a say, that's great, right? There are things that you can do to protest, but do it peacefully, do it lawfully. That's the whole point. So give me some biblical examples and like to, to make this a little more biblical. 
give me something that happened in the Bible where it was like, okay, this guy was like, I can't, I can't obey this king's law because the word of God says not to. Right? Can anybody think of one right off the top of their head? Right. The three Jewish, the three Jewish dudes. That's the second one on here. The three Hebrew children. Right? They would not. Uh, they disobeyed Nebuchadnezzar's command to bow down to the image. So what happens to them? Right? Well, they end up. God blesses it in the end. Right? Moses' parents disobeys Pharaoh's command to kill their son. They're like, all right, I get what you're saying, King, but um, the Word of God says not to do that. Right? Daniel disobeyed Darius' command to stop praying for 30 days. What's he do? They throw him in the lion's den, and he's like, they're, they're kittens. Right? Because God's with him. Peter disobeys the St. Andrew's command to stop preaching. He's like, yeah, I get what you're saying, y'all, but um, that's not what the Word of God says, so I'm not going to do that. There are times when it's okay. But, but understand that when you choose to disobey the law for the Word of God's sake, there might be punishment that comes with it. You have to choose. I'm going to obey God rather than men. Acts 4.19, But Peter and John answered and said to them, we, uh, Whether it be right in the sight of God to be uh, to hearken unto you, uh, more than God, judge ye. He's like, you know, it, it's up to you guys to judge, but uh, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Acts 5.29 says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey, obey God rather than men. So what's the, what's the problem with this whole thing? Right? It, it, the problem with most Christians is they're like, they know what they ought to do. They know, okay, this is what the law says, and I, I ought to obey it, right? I also know what the Word of God says, and I ought to obey it. Here's the problem with the whole thing. It's easier to get Christians to become militant than to become biblical. It's easier to get a group of Christians to say, you know what, I'm going to fight against the law, right? You can get, I, I could get a group of Christians more fired up to protest something than I could to stand up for what the Word of God says about something sometimes, right? Not always, not always, but that's the problem with, with Christianity today. We're more fired up about our rights than we are to stand up for what the Word of God says. That's just where we're at. It's messed up. It's totally messed up. We have too many fundamentalists and too many biblicists, right? Christ gave the rule. Mark twelve seventeen, And Jesus answered, said unto them, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Well, that ties right into what Romans thirteen six says. We're almost done. For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Oh, great. So now you want to talk about taxes too, right? I was just complaining about taxes. Sarcastic. Tax evasion is not of God, no matter what the government is doing with your money, right? Too many people are like, well, if they would use my money for something better, I'd give it to them, right? That's like, that's, that's the same argument you hear from some people with the church. I would tithe if they would do something better with my money. Right? And I'll tell you the same thing that I tell every person that I've ever discipled when we go through uh, the, the, the giving lesson. Right? So I know the biblical command is to tithe. It is. right? And I know that I don't like lightning in my life. So it's basically direct disobedience when I choose to say I know what the Word of God says and I choose not to do it. Okay? So I tell everybody that I've ever discipled this, and I use, I've never taught on giving and I don't plan on it, but here's my little two cents of it, and this is just my own personal thing in life. I will give my tithe to the church no matter what. I don't care 
what the church does with it. I don't care if I write my tithe out in a check, which I don't because I give online because it's easier, right? But I could write my tithe out in a check, right? The, 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 the 10% that God has given me right off the top, right? No matter what. And, and Pastor Brian or whoever could be like, okay, here's your check and here's what I'm going to do with it. First off, I'm going to go cash it and turn it into cash because, you know, anybody can write a check, right? I thought you wanted money. But, right? You, you get it. He's got my cash, right? And he could light it on fire right in front of me. And I could be like, you know, that, you've got to do something. I don't care. And you can do it week after week after week because I was obedient. Now you've got to be obedient with it, right? We get too caught up and, well, you've got to do something good with it. That's not your job to worry about, right? They will answer to God for those things. No matter what. Right? And so that's the two cents that I've got on it. Stop worrying about what happens with your money, you know, whether it be the church or the government or anything else. Because guess what? You just need to be obedient. It's better to be obedient than anything else. Okay, so. Conscience towards God demands that you pay it. Right? Right? Tax, no matter what. If you don't pay your taxes, I wouldn't say this about many things, you're an idiot. Right? That's just the way that it is. If, if you don't pay your taxes and you think that, well, I, I don't, I, I don't care what excuse you've got. If you don't pay your taxes, like you asked for that, right? It's so it's no different than sometimes with your kids. Like, hey, don't do that, and they do it anyway, and then like they hit their head or they do something. Like, hey, don't touch that. They reach up and they touch it. It burns their hands. It's like, I, I'm sorry you got hurt, but you asked for that, right? Right. Like it, it's it's that's really the case though. Like, hey, don't do that. So Blake, the little boy that Paige watches, like he was uh, running around the other day and he got up on the bed and I'm like, hey, get down. And like immediately, he slipped and he hit his head on a big wooden uh, like footboard. And I'm like, man, I'm really sorry that happened, but that's like immediate natural consequence to your disobedience. Has that ever happened in your life as a Christian? Like, I know what the Word of God says about this. I don't think I want to do it. And then immediately it's like, bam. Like, like yeah, okay, I got it, God, right? No different. Like, if you choose to not do what you ought to do, don't expect like sympathy from God on those things, right? Paying taxes included, all of those things. It's black and white. I'm going to skip some of that because you guys get it, right? I'm going to skip that. 13.7, Romans 13.7, render, uh, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to custom, fear to fear, honor to honor. Right? The point is, whatever your direct authority is telling you to do, that's what you ought to do. And too many people in life are like, well, I don't have any authority, I'm the authority. Okay, well, you're the first one that's going to get smacked in the back of the head because that's what happens. Right? Direct authority first, go from there. Right? I don't know why I got a ticket. I don't know why I got arrested. I, I, it's not hard for me to tell you why you got arrested. It's like... So we have this saying with our kids, like teenage boys, they're both right here, right? When they leave to go do something, we tell them the same thing every time, make wise choices. What does that mean? Well, it's a nice way of saying don't do dumb things, right? It, and when you choose to do dumb things, don't be surprised when there are consequences from God, from your parents, from anything else. No different than you, Christian, right? Like... Make wise choices. Well, what does that mean, Jason? It means don't do dumb things, right? It's black and white. Too many people are like, well, there's a lot of gray areas in the Bible. No, there's not. Black and white. Very simple. What does it say? Did you do it? Did you not do it? It's your choice. Like, well, I don't know. Okay, okay fine. That's fine. If you want to be like, 
you want to kick against the system, try to find good leaders? Well, guess what happens? Don't be surprised when the authority in your life, whether it be your parents, or your husband, or your pastor, or the police, or the government, or whatever else, the IRS, don't be surprised when they come after you. Right? And there is punishment for the things that you did. Like, that's just the way that it is. Right? So, it's black and white. There's some what ifs there. Right? We answered a few of them. We'll get into more next week. We'll get into a lot of them in Romans 14. Right? But this is where we're at. So, here's my disclaimer for today. Don't do dumb things. Right? Make wise choices. Alright, so let's pray uh, and we'll get out of here and... uh, Make wise choices. Father God, I love you. I thank you for your day. I thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for passages like this that seem pretty basic at times. But Lord, uh, man, it's like they come up in counseling all the time. Did you submit to the authority? Well, that's why it happened. right? So Lord, I do pray that you would just uh, allow these things to really be manifest in our lives. And um, even if we're the person here that's like, I don't, have, I don't struggle with this. Why, are I, why am I learning this? Well, maybe, maybe, Lord, you're teaching these people so that they can counsel other people. Because uh, if you look at... Uh, just the world today, people struggle with this. And so I do pray that you would just use us as ministers uh, uh, even to these things. So, Lord, I pray you just send us out this week as lights in a dark world, that you get the honor and the glory from our lives. I do pray that we would just continue to use the uh, the zeal that you've kind of lit under us this week uh, with the Vision Conference and, and that we would do something about it. Lord, I do pray that you get the honor and the glory from our lives and uh, that we would just live for you uh, every day. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.